What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 25th episode. We're at the quarter century mark of the Gen Jag podcast. I'm your host, Jordan DeLugo. I'm here with one of my regular co-hosts, Scott Klein. I guess uh, since we're now at a quarter century, we can just go back to, you know, the original days. Oh, episode gee. one, just Scott Klein and Jordan DeLugo. It's the anniversary podcast. We'll That's right. That. So uh, <laughs> that obviously means our regular co-host and our resident coach, Hunter Evans, is not going to be with us today. He's dealing with some baby issues. So our credibility, our credibility just went down a little bit. Nah, maybe. I think we're <laughs> just, good. Just a hair. I think we're good. Okay, good. Um, the sounds we were just bringing you into are two of Jen Jag's own. Billy Perry and Josh made or Josh May come together to create a group called Self Made. That was their first original track. They just released it today, so we thought we would, you know. Bring you in with a little bit of our very own members uh, yeah. playing some of their tunes. Billy Perry and Josh Mayer are super talented. Obviously, you can tell by the quality of their music that we brought you into. But yeah, Billy Perry is even the guy who does the uh, was oh, it yeah. the Fanduel. That's right, Fanduelville. Billy Perry, one half of Self Made. Uh, he is the DJ. At Fandleville. So if you're ever over by the pools in Fandleville at the Jaguar Stadium, make sure to go check out Billy. He'll be over there jamming with you. And um, so, yeah, it's just really awesome to see other Gen Jag members doing things that are, you know, outside the box, really putting themselves out there and working hard to achieve a goal that they care about. And that's what Billy and Josh are doing right now with Self Made. So, shout out to you guys. Um, lot to get into today. There's not a ton of actual news in terms of things actually happening. Just like, fake news. <laughs> yeah, it's all fake news today. No, but my, my meaning is there's no signings by the Jaguars. There's no players released. Kind there's no big like, interviews by the coaches yeah. or any of the staff or anything like that. But there's a ton of pro days. There's players coming to take visits to Jacksonville. That's really exciting. There's always the talk of what the hell are the Jaguars going to do with the fourth overall pick. We've got to get into that, obviously. Josh Scobie. It was announced last week that he was going to retire with the Jaguars after having a uh, fall from grace in Pittsburgh. But still, the greatest Jaguars kicker of all time. Sorry, Mike Hollis, but (laughs) Scobie's got you on the game winners and the total points. So uh, you got to give it to Scobie there. Uh, LSU Pro Day, Deshaun Watson in Jacksonville, several other players going to visit Jacksonville, including the two top safeties in the draft. Um, Joe Mixon, talk is continually heating up about him, and is he worth the baggage that he comes with, and just what type of player will he be? Um, So yeah, there's a ton to get into. We'll start off with a little bit of Josh Scobie. What are your thoughts on Scobie? He's the he, he's the dude. He's the big Lebowski. That's right, man. He, I'm with you. He had there's so many memorable moments with Josh Scobie. There there were times where he was the best player on our team. Unfortunately, unfortunately, yes. yeah. yeah. That shows you how bad the roster was. But right. even then, he was always a, a bright spot. Yeah, no question. Uh, he was just such a stud as a kicker. He had sort of a volatile career, though. Um, he Not every season was him at his best, but the seasons when he was at his best, he was arguably the best kicker in the NFL during those seasons. And stats would definitely back that, that assertion oh, up. Yeah. I mean, he had... Uh, the season right before he really took a big uh, cliff dive in terms of his production, in 2013... He hit 23 of 25 field goals, 92%. That's not, that's not bad. That's not bad. The year before that, he hit 25 of 28, 89%. year before that, 92%. Go back to 2007, 92%. So there's some really just amazing years there. There's also some years that weren't great, that were actually below average. You know, his first two years in the league, he was sitting around 60 or 70, excuse me, 77%, which is 
definitely below league average. Um, and there's multiple years where he hovered around 80 and uh, the high 70s. So obviously he wasn't always an amazing kicker, but he was always a clutch kicker. He, he would come up in the biggest moments. He always had a big leg. Very similar to the Jaguars' current kicker, Jason Myers, who seemingly is more accurate from 50-plus than he yeah. is from extra point range. <laughs> but uh, speaking of extra points, Scobie missed how many extra points in his career? There should be an asterisk. This is before, before Yeah, it is before he got moved back still, but he missed four extra points in his whole career. 329 of... Excuse me, 323 of 329. So that's just... Or no, that can't be right. Yeah, that'd be six. That's six. <laughs> yes, so he missed six in his career, which Jason Myers missed in his first year as a starter. Yeah. He missed seven. Ugh. And Myers still missed four last year, which that's not what you want to see. You want to yeah. still get that down. It was. It seemed a lot better from Myers yeah. in terms of the extra points last year. But I think uh, two of them were in the same game, mm-hmm. and it was the blowout against the Titans, I believe. So it like didn't even matter. Yeah. Everyone just gave Myers a pass on that. But yeah, back to Scobie. He's the Jaguars' all-time leading point scorer. He scored over 1,000 career points in Jacksonville. It's just pretty incredible. He did it from 2004 to 2014 for the Jaguars, and that was obviously before the Jaguars traded him away to the Steelers in favor of the current starter, Jason Myers. Who's done pretty well. Yeah. Uh, if you take away extra points, Very he's good. stellar. Yeah, if you take away extra points, he was better than Scobie in Scobie's first two years. Yeah. By a long shot. Yeah. But you can't take away the extra points. Uh, yeah. However, I mean, over the course of a season, we made such a big deal about the seven points that he missed in his rookie year, but seven points is a touchdown. Yeah, yeah. it's a big deal, but over the course of a season... If your games are coming down to one point that often, it's probably they, not going to be a great which team. Which they weren't that year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, <laughs> There was the Colts game that year that yeah, yeah. he needed to make a couple uh, field goals that he missed. And I think he missed an extra point in that one too. But, you know, not here to hate on Myers. Here to celebrate Scobie. So just what a career. And off the field, he was always just a fan favorite. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're sitting here. We've got a... Autographed Josh Scobie jersey in our studio right yeah. now. Uh, he was friendly on Twitter. He was friendly in real life. He was always quick to crack a joke. Yeah. He even had his own segment on Jaguars.com. He would run around and mess with the rest of the players in the locker room. Had a really good time. I think it was called Kicking It with Scobie. Yeah. Uh, so, fond memories there. I think my fondest memory has to be... Colts, Jaguars. I was just about to say. <laughs> circa 2010, 2011, maybe. The 59 yard. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of us were not 21 yet at that game. And of course, we were drinking. We were really, we used to, we don't condone this at all, but we were not model citizens <laughs> no. prior to being 21. Uh, but, anyways, needless to say, several of us got. Minor in possessions that day. (laughs) And to this day, I've always said, if the Jaguars were guaranteed to beat the Colts every time they played them, I would get an MIP and pay the $200 (laughs) every Sunday. For real. (laughs) So, like, it's so funny. Going into the game, we're all upset. We're like... Miserable. Yeah, we're all pissed off. This just happened to us. A bunch of us got in trouble, and... Needless to say, the game reversed that mindset really quickly. Now, some of the people that it happened to were living in Tallahassee at the time, so I think for them it was more difficult. (laughs) They had to deal with the Jacksonville court system while having to travel back to Tallahassee. Thankfully for me, I was in Jacksonville. All good to go. Um, I think you had an option to do 50 service hours or pay $200. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I'll take the $200. Go ahead. Let me have my free time. Well, 50 of my hours is worth more than 200 bucks. True. <laughs> Government's not going to get me for 50 hours for, for that. Uh, but anyways, enough of the MIP talk. Bottom line is Scobie might be the most consistent player the Jaguars have ever had in terms of longevity. Obviously, Fred Taylor, you got to argue, is up there. Because yeah. he did it for a long time, too. Brad Meester. Um, 
But other than that, you don't have a ton of guys who played the majority of their career in Jacksonville. At a high level. Right, at a really yeah. high level, like Scobie and Taylor and Meester all did. So, big props to Scobie. Gotta love it. I think he the day he's officially going to do it is April 13th. He's going to sign with the Jaguars to a one-day contract and retire as a Jaguar. Bring him home. Now we just need to get him and Mojo up on the uh, Pride of the Jaguars. It's bound that. It's, it's just a matter of time. I'm just, like, logistically on the in the stadium. Yeah. Where are all these names going to yeah. go? They're going to have to, like, start... Start uh, making names smaller, putting two names where one name was. They're going to have banners hanging down over the suites, <laughs> or over the box seats. Yeah, it's going to be something else, but that's a good problem to have. Obviously, most of the Mojo and Scobie were really the only players of the last 10 years you could even consider. Yeah, I mean, consider maybe, for the pride. Maybe one of the. Maybe like Donovan Darius. Yeah, but that Machine was more than ten it. years ago. Yeah. Machine was also part of the last ten years, but a lot of it he wasn't even there either. So yeah. you know, we'll see. I think Rasheen does deserve to be up there. I think Donovan does too. But at what point is like too many guys going up yeah. there? It has to be somewhat exclusive. Yeah. But I mean, I, to me, I think Josh Kobe. He's it's just a matter of time. I mean, he 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 deserves it. I mean, he won multiple games yeah. by himself against division rivals, oh, especially yeah. the Colts. All-time leading point scorer. Had some of the most amazing seasons in Jaguars history. He's got to be up there. I mean, unless they're just hating on the kicker. No. Kickers are football players, Morton too. More Anderson okay? made it to the Hall of Fame this year. The Anything real Hall happen. of Fame. Not even the <laughs> Falcons Hall of Fame. Um, so, yeah. Obviously. Maybe he'll be the next Jaguars ring of <laughs> yeah, Morton Anderson does deserve a special place in the Jaguars' history. Honorable mention. No question. For uh, essentially allowing the Jaguars to make the playoffs. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Morton. But yeah, so let's get into some modern day talk. Enough reminiscing on the good old days of Josh Scobie. But uh, LSU Pro Day today. Whew. Leonard Fournette dropped 12 pounds, down from 240 pounds to 228 pounds. 228, that's what I think of when I think of Freddie, just like right around high 220s, low 230s. I like that. He looked really smooth today at the Pro Day. Again, he was able to show off the fact that just because he didn't catch a ton of passes at LSU does not mean he doesn't have the ability to catch passes. He caught everything thrown at him today just as he did in the combine. Yeah, he lined up and exclusively ran routes. Exactly. He's looking like a uh, all-around complete back. Obviously, you're not going to have the shiftiness maybe of a Dalvin Cook, but everything else is there. We were watching the NFL Network before coming on here, and just they were were talking about him just showing clips from the pro day, and it's it's hard not to – just admire how smooth yeah. he is, how how just how good he looks running around on a football field. Yeah, he just looks different. Yeah. He doesn't look like most players. Dalvin Cook doesn't either. And neither no, does yeah. Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. For that matter. <laughs> but we'll see what happens there. Now Leonard Fournette in my mind, I always had questions about his mindset. Is he humble? Mm-hmm. Is he hungry? What is he really... What's inside the mind of Leonard Fournette? He's always been the top dog. Right. Coming out of high school, in college, now coming into the draft. Is he going to be the guy who's like, yeah, I'm king of the hill? Yeah, but today, talking to Mike Mayock, Leonard Fournette talking to Mike Mayock, not myself talking (laughs) to Mike Mayock. That would be something, wouldn't it? That's Uh, hilarious. It's exclusive. One day. (laughs) One day we'll get Mike Mayock on the podcast. Fournette said, when asked about NFL runners, I can't compare myself to them. They're where I want to be. Yeah. Does that not just say everything that you want to hear from a superstar? Yeah, he, he, I mean, he gets it. He, he's, he hasn't made a single snap yeah. in the NFL. You know, he, he, and he, by all accounts, respects the heck out of the guys who are, are there and who have been there and been doing it well. Yeah. So, I mean... And Adrian Peterson was specifically brought up by yeah. uh, Mayock, and who Fournette I, pretty much gave the same answer. You know, yeah. 
I can't compare myself to him. Yeah, a lot of other I like that other people do. <laughs> yeah. But he's where I want to be. And so I just think that's the perfect thing you want to hear. There have been questions about his love of the game. Um, not a ton, but you've heard it on occasion. And I'm, I, that really kind of puts that to bed for me. To me, I didn't, I've never really questioned it because it, I, I look back to the Florida game. He wasn't planning to play. He, he was expected not to play. Yeah. There's a he little scrum in the pregame. He's like, I'm getting in this game. Yep. He got on the field. He tried to do it. His ankles just wouldn't let and him. He do did it. that for a lot of um, yeah. a lot of the year. So and and later in the year, I don't know. It, it doesn't matter if the coaching staff or it was his decision to just sit out. Can you blame the guy? He's a NFL player playing in college right now. Yeah. And at a position where you turn thirty, and it's you better be one of the greats to still be. A significant player on a roster. Yeah, I mean, look at Adrian Peterson right now. Adrian Peterson and Jamal Charles just floating Two around. Two of the best running backs of all time. I think Jamal Charles has the all-time best yards per carry. Yeah, it's like 5.7 or something crazy. Yeah, it really is something else to see those guys unemployed. But I think by the time the season rolls around, both yeah. of them will be on a Third roster. Third week of preseason, they'll, they'll be on a team. Yeah. But I mean, like... Just the fact that he, this the, the everyone talks about Jadavion Clowney. Would would he sit out his junior year because you know he's going to be a top five pick? He he was trying to gut it out through an injury. Yeah, the ankle was bothering him really all was. year long, and he even tried to to gut it out against Florida. And I mean, so some people you just they have it in their blood, you know. Football, that's what they do. Yeah, and some people. Some people, football is their job. Some people, football is their life. Yeah, and you want to get the guys that football is their life, obviously. So is Tom Coughlin. Right. And I guess that's more so what I'm thinking about. Uh, I don't think that that was necessarily the case under Gus Bradley and Dave Caldwell, but I think that certainly, no question, will be the case under Tom Coughlin. Because that's how he is. He's made it clear himself in press conferences and interviews this is what it's going to be about here. Mm-hmm. All football, all the time. He's already like, want to gravitate guys. Yeah. He got rid of everyone who there was any question about their effort or mental makeup in terms of football. And that was only two guys, really. But yeah. <laughs> it was Jared Audrick and Julius Thomas. But then you got another guy questioning the team, Devon House. See you later. Yeah. But then you get Jalen Ramsey questioning the team, Dante Fowler questioning the team. You're like, We'll give them another chance. Because yeah. <laughs> you know, you can see it on the sideline, Jalen Ramsey. You can see how upset he is about yeah. losing a game yeah. in, a, in, a, in a season where we lost 13 of them. I mean, some people, they just, it just eats away at them to lose. And that, that, I think that's the way Tom Coughlin is and that he wants people that are like that. And mm-hmm. I think Leonard Fournette's one of those kind of guys. I think so, too. Again, you're listening to the Gen Jag podcast. You can find us online at genjag.com. You can find myself on Twitter at Jordan DeLugo, and you can find my co-host Scott Klein on Twitter at ScottKlein1. Now, we've got a lot of fun stuff coming up with Gen Jag. The draft is always one of the biggest events for the year for Generation Jaguar. Our first event was actually our draft party in April of 2014. No, excuse me, April of 2015. I'm uh, backdating myself a little bit too far there. But we always have a big draft party in Lot J for the Jaguars um, draft party. Free beverages and food for everyone that decides to come by. And we'll have our membership pre-orders on sale. You can become a member from now through May 1st for only $25. Which is really just a hell of a deal. You get to eat and drink for free at every Gin Jag tailgate during the season. You get discounts at local establishments such as Burrito Gallery, Mellow Mushroom, Sports Mania, Metro Diner, just to name a few. And you also get a excuse me, t-shirt, koozie, and sticker uh, to commemorate your 2017 membership. So go online, ginjag.com is where you'll find the membership information. We've got a nice big membership tab for you, so it's hard to miss. So go on and check that out if you can, ginjag.com. And uh, leave us some feedback on our blogs and our uh, videos. We've got a lot of 
news and analysis that comes out on a daily basis. Make sure to check that out. And uh, if you want to sit with us, you're welcome to sit with us in 2017 too. We'll have our own seating section, which will be section 216. If you call up the Jaguars and ask them to sit with Generation Jaguar in section 216, they'll get y'all squared away. And uh, we hope to have a few more people sitting with us this year. We've got a nice crew so far, but we definitely hope to get some more of you guys out there. So make sure to go check it out at genjag.com. And also make sure to follow Generation Jaguar on Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar and on Twitter at Generation Jag. So, Scott. Yo. Leonard Fournette was not the only player at the LSU Pro Day who has top... He wasn't? <laughs> well, he certainly was not the only player at the Pro Day, but he also was not the only player that is getting... Uh, mocked potentially in the top five of the NFL draft. One Jamal Adams, a strong safety from LSU. He ran a 4-5-6 at the NFL Combine last month. Not bad. Yeah. Not great. Uh, certainly at least average to above average for a strong safety in the NFL. Oh, yeah. But today he goes and runs a sub 4-4. Four, four. Yeah. No, that's pretty Does good. this change everything for him? Like, obviously, we've talked about this before. Just running a forty time doesn't upgrade your draft stock. If you run a forty time that confirms what they see on tape, Correct. or makes them question and go back and look at what they see on tape, that's what happens. So I think this is more confirming what you've seen on tape. To me, yeah. To me, pro days have always been like, like. Uh, it's a little bit dress up, you know. Times get a little bit faster. Guys get a little bit taller. Yeah, you know, there's well, there's always cases where the combine I mean, shows the one four thing. three eight is Mike Mayock's clock. So, hey, he's he's done it for as I'll long as I've him. been alive. Yeah. So I mean, he he knows what he's doing. But to me, I, there's always been cases where a guy will, will run one thing at the combine, and then a couple weeks later at his pro day, he blows it out of the water. Yeah. So, I mean... That happens a few times every year. No question with some of the big guys, yeah. but... But you know he's it in It also that happens in the other direction. Yeah. Look at... T. Taylor. Taylor. I mean, he... A lot of guys are questioning now because he ran a 4-7. Yeah, there's a rumor now that he's had a hamstring injury. I don't buy that one bit. That's a guy that was unprepared. Yeah. He's too talented and too fast, too good to run a 4-7-5. That's maybe that was his downfall. That's a that lack of preparation. Just relied on his natural ability. But I mean, Jamal Adams, you know he's going to be somewhere in between. Right. But for me, you take a look at T's Tabor. Really really poor combine. Has an opportunity to correct that at his pro day. Falls flat on his face. That's not what you want to see. Leonard Fournette did the exact opposite. Yeah. So did Jamal Adams. Right. And Adams, he didn't do anything terrible at the Combine, but he wasn't, like, blowing you out of the water. Right. And so, Fournette, he made it very clear. A lot of people criticized him for being 240 pounds at the Combine. He dropped to 228 to show that he can do it and that he'll look good doing it. And uh, that's actually below what his playing weight was in LSU. To me, if you can be 240 and run or five one, yeah. You might be all right about two thirty five, two forty. You might be okay. I mean, yeah. I think for me, as long as he's in between two twenty five and two forty, I don't really care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> An NFL coaching staff who literally obsesses over this stuff, and it's their job to figure out what his best playing weight will be. We'll handle. They'll figure it out, and he'll obviously be receptive to that. He showed that in the last month. And this shows the ability to be able to control his weight. Yeah. Unlike Eddie Lacy, who is a balloon. Yeah, I mean, there's just some (laughs) running backs, some guys. It happens. Have you seen Derek Ross, the Sharks, our local arena football team, the Sharks running back? That is a big boy. (laughs) He does not look like a running back. But he's still a great running back. He's actually the best running back in AFL history, um, which the Sharks are no longer a part of the AFL. But up until this year, they were in the AFL. 
He's got the most touchdowns in league history and all that, but that's a big boy. Shout out to you, Derek Ross. I know you're probably not listening, but <laughs> who cares? Um, now, before we go getting all in love with Leonard Fournette like we like to do with these draft picks, it's possible that he might not be on the board when the Jaguars select at four. What? Matt Miller, Bleacher Report's lead draft scout, have he has sources everywhere, all over the league, in draft and scouting departments. A scouting source for him from the 49ers essentially said that the 49ers love Leonard Fournette and Ruben Foster if Miles Garrett's off the board. Presumably, there's no chance Miles Garrett's not off the board. Yeah. It seems like a surefire lock. If he is, they're sprinting to the podium. It's a surefire lock that he's going to be on the board. I mean, going to be off the board. So, to me, that means Leonard Fournette and Ruben Foster, is it a smokescreen? Maybe. Are they trying to uh, spur up trade down interest? Maybe. But if Leonard Fournette goes at two, that's going to make things very interesting. Yeah, it almost guarantees... One of the three defenders on the line. It guarantees you either Solomon Thomas or Jonathan Allen. Yeah. And do the Jaguars covet those guys? We have no clue. I would imagine they do. Because st- it's at a position of need and they're a heck of a football player. <laughs> to me, those guys still play the same positions that we have already. Yeah. Talented. Because you look at Solomon Thomas's best college tape, it's all at three technique. Yeah. Yes, he's like, I'm versatile, move me around. But every one of his dominant plays is at three tech. It's not at defensive end. I agree. Yeah, the tape, they, they, they use, utilize him heavily in the three technique. And Jonathan Allen does a lot of the same thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of people project them as solid 4-3 defensive ends, but their tape, they're clearly best when... You know, just being able to crucify guards that can't match up with them physically yeah. or athletically. Look at Calais Campbell, though. He's always been defensive end in a 3-4 system. Yeah. And we're using him at a very hefty price at the defensive end position. Yeah. So it's it's clearly something that they think translates. Now, will it necessarily translate Yeah, to now these, these positions are all totally crazy different. Yeah. But... There's a difference between a guard and a tackle. Yeah, both of these guys are clearly tweeners. Yeah. Allen and Thomas. We've talked about it before. Neither of them has the typical length you want on the outside, and neither of them has the girth that you want on the inside. It's just the way it is. Yeah. Now, they both play with their hands incredibly well. They both show good athleticism for their size, Uh, especially Solomon Thomas, in my opinion. But Allen does some insane things on the football field as well. You know, just crucifying guards and then just obliterating running backs in the backfield. There's one play that sticks out in your mind. <laughs> I think you probably remember it. It was like one of the biggest Sports Center highlights all year. Was it the one where he jumped over the yeah, running just back like and launches, and dived into the and yeah. the quarterback? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it's I. You you don't see things like that right in a football game at any level. Yeah. So in my mind, the biggest question there is. Is Solomon Thomas or Jonathan Allen or Leonard Fournette? That's what I'm thinking. That's really where I'm at with this. I really think those are the three biggest options for the team. There's a couple other wild cards that are like long shots to happen if they just fall in love with a guy. But if you're if you're going to Vegas, you're putting your money on one of those three guys. Right. If it's these three or anyone else, you're taking those three versus the people. Now, which one would you take right now? I would probably, oh man. I would take Solomon Thomas because I think he's more of an edge than Jonathan Allen. But it's close. I can see why somebody could talk me into talk, taking Leonard Fournette. But to me, defensive is much more important than running back. So for me, Solomon Thomas is the guy. Yeah. Even if Jonathan Allen's on the field. Are still available. Yeah. And that's contrary to a lot of people's beliefs. For a while, for me, 
I thought the Jaguars would take Leonard Fournette, mm. but I didn't necessarily say I wanted them to take Leonard Fournette. Yeah. Now I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I want Leonard Fournette. <laughs> I think the Jaguars should draft Leonard Fournette. A, because he'll have the most impact on the team next yes, year. Correct. In a team that, in a, in a season that the Jaguars desperately have to win. Can you imagine if they fall flat on their face again after adding Tom Coughlin, after adding all the draft picks that they're going to get this year, after adding Calais, Campbell, Barry, Church, AJ Boye? If this team falls flat on their face again, my, my, my. It's a, it's a pretty win now situation it on a is. bad team. And that, it's weird well, to Well, it's say not that. a bad team talent wise, though. Yeah. There's no question it's not. Teams with this much talent do not select in the top four. Unless yeah. they have crazy injuries. Yeah. Dallas Cowboys. Indianapolis Colts when Peyton Manning got injured and they lucked into luck. But we've been consistently bad. That's the only difference. We have been, but in the last two years there has been an incredible amount of talent added. Yeah. On paper, there's no question that this Jaguars team is probably top 15 in talent. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. I can see that. I mean, you, you look, can't look, really argue. You look around, there's not really on a paper. lot of holes that you can see outside of left guard, tight end. Well, not only are there not a lot of holes, but there's places you excel. Yeah. Your mm. defensive tackles, my goodness. Look at the depth of wide receiver. and Malik Jackson, my goodness. Yeah. Like, and Calais Campbell. you got yeah. three wide receivers you could potentially all sign to contracts who you can rely on to be playmakers. Yeah. Yeah, there's just so much talent. It's crazy. And so that's why yeah. Leonard Fournette's my guy. Not only because of that, but because I also think he could be the best running back in the NFL for the next five to seven years. It's so easy to talk yourself into Leonard Fournette. It's so easy. <laughs> like, the more you think about it, you're just like, okay, yeah, I could, I could absolutely see that. And because I think there's just as good of talent. Well, not just as good. But there's perhaps better pure edge rushers in the second round that you will be able to snatch than are Solomon Thomas and Jonathan Allen. Like, they might be better fits for what the Jaguars need right now. More true edge guys. Yeah. There's also a lot of good running backs. There is. There's no question about it. So the Jaguars have to decide which of these players is clearly way better than what we will be getting in the second round. Where's the biggest gap? Is the biggest gap between... Jonathan Allen and Solomon Thomas and who will get in the second round? Or is the biggest gap between Leonard Fournette and who you might get in the second round at running back? I mean, you're going to get a good running back in the second round, but potentially, and I would not be surprised at all if this happens, all, all of Fournette, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, and Alvin Kamara could all be gone at 35. Yep. Then you take a guard. Which, that's what I think the Jaguars will do in the second round. But they could very easily do that in the third round and still get a potential starter. Brandon uh, Linder, 2013. Yeah. Third round. Immediate starter. And All-Pro. Well, he hasn't actually been an All-Pro, but he he plays like it. Correct, yeah. yeah. He plays like it. So, that's what you're looking at, really, if they stay at four. For the most part. But Deshaun Watson is having a two-day visit with the Jaguars that includes today and tomorrow. That's Wednesday, let's say, Wednesday, April 5th, and Thursday, April 6th. Watson will be in Jacksonville. He will be visiting with the Jaguars. Is there any way the Jaguars take a quarterback at four? If they don't trust Blake, yeah. I mean, if, if... Everything makes it seem as though they do trust Blake. Then, they, then, then, then they're not considering it. I think they're doing their due diligence right now. I agree. I think a lot of these guys, because Watson's not the only guy coming that you would be surprised if they took. Jamal Adams is coming. Yep. Malik Hooker, free safety from Ohio State's coming. Uh, a lot of other guys are coming as well. Cam Robinson, Howard, Jonathan Allen. Most of the big names. And most of the big names usually go... To the Jaguars. Yeah. Because that's who the Jaguars are looking at with their first round pick. Yeah, they're, they're picking at a premium position every And year. they have to do their due diligence on all these guys, you know. Um, I think every single person in the top ten visited the Jaguars last year. Yeah. So that's just the way it goes. Um, well, I shouldn't say everyone. <laughs> I don't think... 
I don't think Goffer Wentz visited the Jaguars. Yeah, I do. They might I, have, though. I, I can't remember. Yeah. I would doubt that. Well, I remember would. covering it. I don't remember those two guys, but it is possible. But this all kind of leads me to the idea that the Jaguars should absolutely trade down. Yeah. Take- I'll take Fournette or Allen or Thomas at four. I'd take any of these guys. Hooker, uh, Jamal Adams. Obviously, I would prefer Fournette to all of those guys, but... I, I think trading down is the best option, and I'm not usually a fan of that because you're obviously losing the premium talent. Yeah, exactly. But there's some numbers to look at prior to getting hot and heavy into this topic. Over the last eight years, there has been an average of six trades among first-round draft picks. That blew me away Now, when I read that first. Over the past ten years... There's been an average of two trades every year within the top eight picks. And since 2011, six teams have traded back into the first round. That's not as alarming of number as the other numbers, but yeah. still, it has me thinking about some things here. Yeah. It gets my wheels turning. Now, last year, the Rams and the Titans traded their picks. The Titans had the 15th pick. Or no, excuse me. The Titans had the first pick, yeah. traded it for the 15th pick, and also the Titans received another two second-round picks last year, a third-round pick last year, a first-round pick this year, <laughs> and a third-round pick this year. That's insane. Obviously, the Rams were trading. They were, that was a, a trade for the number one overall pick. Yeah. Jaguars don't have the number one overall pick. They have the number four overall pick. But they might have the number one spot for a QB. Correct. So the Jaguars are not going to get that big of a haul. But even if the Jaguars just got another team's first, second... Maybe a fifth? First, second, and third or fourth, I'd take it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Because you're moving down a few spots to where you can comfortably draft... Um, O.J. Howard, you can comfortably draft Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey. There's still pass rushers that are good at that spot. Malik McDowell, Derek Barnett. Uh, There's just still a ton of talent at that spot. And then you're also adding another second-round pick, which could allow you to trade back into the first round Mm -hmm. if you really like someone that's still sitting there. Forest Knight. Yeah, a guard or, you know, there's any number of ways that could go. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I'm firmly of the mindset that the Jaguars should trade down. I really am. I feel, I feel like this is a topic every year. I mean, it's all. But I think this year it makes the most sense out of any other year for the Jaguars. Yeah. There's the clear-cut number one guy would be Miles Garrett. He ain't making it past the, the right. first or second pick. So you, 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 you fall back to a guy, Jonathan Allen, who by all accounts is arthritic in both shoulders, a bit of a tweener. Solomon Thomas, who's kind of a question, he's, he produced in college at a three technique. You're asking him to move to edge. He's a bit of a tweener and a running back. Those are your three options. Are you willing to invest a number four overall pick in that? Or would you feel more comfortable stockpiling, picking, still at a very sizable pick yeah. in the early teens, maybe even higher? It's, yeah, this year more than any, really, you could see it happening. I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. But to me... Giving up a premium position, a premium player in the top five, looking at the players available, it's 50-50. I mean, do you value these guys that highly, or do you value the potential to get two first-round picks out of it? Yeah, and you can kind of look at it in two different ways, because you could argue, well, there's so much um, depth later in the draft... Why shouldn't we just stockpile as many second, third round picks as we can? On the flip side, 
there's so much depth in the draft. Let's get the elite player now, and no matter what happens, we're going to get good players in the middle rounds. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like that's catch why they get paid the big bucks. So, I still think the Jaguars are going to take Fournette. I just have that feeling. You know, thought they were going to take Ramsey last year. Mm. Thought they were going to take Justin Blackman. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> but you know. I thought they were going to take Fowler, too. Now, I wasn't completely sold that they were going to take Fowler because you also had Leonard Williams sitting there. I was Gosh. in Leonard Williams camp. Well, oh, I'd, my goodness. I don't think I wanted Fowler more than Williams. I would have been completely happy with either. But I, I do think that, looking back, there's no question. Yeah. Hindsight is delightful. But you never know. Dante Fowler still has a lot of game left to play, a lot left to improve upon. And it's been one year. He he showed the potential last year to just wreak havoc. And if he learns a pass rush move, yeah. like what can he go from? Like you just build upon what you've already done. So I mean, yeah. So we've talked a lot about a lot of these draft visits. A lot of the players that are going to visit with the Jaguars. Joe Mixon is visiting the Jaguars. Interesting. We've had some conversations about Joe Mixon off air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Almost immediately after we went off the air, we had about a 30-minute conversation last week that I wish would have been recorded. Yeah, we sure did. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we're going to try to keep it as objective as possible here and just be real and yeah. not try to bring in our personal feelings, but personal feelings affect teams' bottom lines. They yeah. affect everything. Like We're, The way people feel does matter. There's humans running this team, and, and, and to be completely 100% unbiased and, and look at statistics and numbers and certainties is not a part of that. So Joe Mixon, is there any way that you draft him? Me? If I'm Dave Caldwell or Tom Coughlin... No. No matter what. Just for my own personal convictions. Right. As a football player, he might he might be arguably what one A, one B with Leonard Fournette. Right. But if I'm if I'm the GM, like a couple other teams in the NFL, he's not even on my board. See, I have a different take. My take, I'm not saying I would definitely draft Joe Mixon. There's no way I would say that. But, if the Jaguars do their due diligence on Joe Mixon, they bring him to town, Mm -hmm. they interview him, they go out and try to talk to as many sources that are close to the subject as possible. And that's a big big part of it. And they feel... (laughs) And they feel not only that he is a good citizen and teammate at this point, but that he's also going to be an advocate for women's rights... Mm -hmm. And an advocate against um, against domestic violence, and he's literally going to do everything he can to show that that incident was not his character. By all means, yeah. By all means, and that's and that's the luxury they have of being in their position to be able to get to know the guy, to to be able to say, hey, this is what we expect of you. If you become a part of our franchise. Yeah. But they have been in that position before, not this specific regime, and gotten burned, even though they had all these opportunities. <laughs> the Jaguars have done it countless times. Yeah. And Tom Coughlin did it himself with RJ Sauer. And this is, yeah, and it, with Matt Jones. Reggie Williams. W- yeah. <laughs> RJ Justin Sauer. Blackman. Justin Blackman. A lot of wide receivers, actually. I mean, they didn't draft Jim, that was but he that, got in trouble, too. And, and there's a thing, there's a difference between substance abuse and domestic violence. I mean... But you have to figure out if you trust this character. It's, it's all about breaking down the psyche yeah. of was, what was the, what's the psychology of this person? Is this something that's habitual? Or was it... Uh, everyone makes mistakes. I'm not an advocate of saying this guy, this one action will condemn this man for the rest of his life. I'm also a father of two girls. So I can understand I would never put myself in that situation. But I'm not everyone. So they actually get to sit down with the guy, 
look him in the eye, see his remorse, what he's going to do about it, uh, reparations as far as giving back to the community and, right. and actively fighting against Donating it. Donating like to women's exactly. rights charities, stuff like that. Making an effort to show you that that's not me. Right. It was, it was one night in my 20-something years of living that I will never, ever be able to take back. And that's a luxury that I don't have. So I, all I can go is looking from the outside in. But if you met with this dude and all that stuff got checked off for you, you'd be probably singing a different tune. Yeah, and and that's and that's a luxury that they have. Right. You know, they they actually get to put him through the vetting process. So I mean, but then again, there's been a lot of guys that have in the interview room have been charming, delightful. They've said all the right things because they know how to do it. Right. They know how to play the game and exactly. then behind closed doors that's not who they are at all. Exactly. So I mean it's I'm Which is why not, not only do they have to do the interviewing with Mixon, but they need to do some serious investigative research into people that are around Mixon, mm. coaches on the coaching staff at Oklahoma, even Bob though, Stoops even though Bob I'm not get, saying get Stoops, out of here with Stoops. I'm not saying Stoops, I'm saying they need to try to get in touch with some of those yeah. other guys. Maybe the running backs coach. An anonymous source. Yeah. That's, yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm, I got it, I'm biased because of my, my own personal agenda about the situation, whether it's him or not. I'm a Texas fan. Oklahoma players, I have a, I have a certain disdain for. Um, but, I mean, I love Aaron Colvin. He's a great player. I'm not going to hate him because he's from Oklahoma. I'll judge him for it. <laughs> but, I mean, it's it's just something where there's a lot of moving parts. And if he would have to bend over backwards and 100% unequivocally convince me this is a blip on the radar. Yeah. This is a one-time just he took his eyes off the prize and he let – he let anger and wrath and whatever take over, and it's something that will never happen again. Yeah, and keep in mind here, we're not talking about the first round. No. We are not talking about the first round. If For me, second round, you have to start thinking about it. Third round, you have to be like, oh, God, how do I pass up on him? If he's there in the third round and he checks off all the boxes, yeah. if they take him, I'll understand it. I personally wouldn't, but there's a team out there that's going to. Eventually, he will get drafted on talent alone. Now, Scott, we have made an unforgivable mistake in this podcast. Uh-oh. We certainly have. Oh, I've been drinking all night. I haven't talked about it. <laughs> we forgot to plug our only sponsor, Bold City Brewery. Make sure to visit them at boldcitybrewery.com. Check out their Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Bold City Brewery. Today, they provided with us, or for us, excuse me. Starting to slur my words now because the beer is just so good. We've got some Mad Manatee. That's one of their three main beers that they can and they produce for sale at you know grocery stores, mm. gas stations, all over the state. Uh, South Florida, I think they're in Central Florida now too, and West Florida. It's all good. Bold City Brewery, Mad Manatee. It's their signature IPA. I would say it... Isn't the hoppiest IPA you'll ever have? Yeah. Which, for a lot of people, that's a good thing. But it's got a just nice, solid flavor. Um, and it's just great. It wouldn't, only, be, it wouldn't be one of their three main yeah. beers if okay. it wasn't great. My only complaint is that eventually the glass is empty. Yeah. And I have to go refill it. Yeah, which so. Is bothersome. Bold City I'm Brewery. <laughs> can you just invent some glasses for us that refill Bottom themselves? Bottomless pitcher. That's all I want. <laughs> Good stuff. But yeah, again, shout out to Bold City Brewery. Everybody over there always takes care of us. Um, BoldCityBrewery.com, at Bold City Brewery on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So I think we kind of skated by the Deshaun Watson thing. Kind of like NFL Network. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Uh, We won't bash NFL Network anymore on this episode, but... They were supposed to give us a little bit of Deshaun Watson and Jacksonville info. 40 minutes later, still nothing. They didn't do it, so we're going to do it for you now.
Deshaun Watson in Jacksonville. We know both of us believe it is just due diligence, but what if the Jaguars do pull the trigger on Deshaun Watson? I've, I've, I've always said he's the guy for me. I've heard a lot about In terms Mitch of quarterback. Quarterbacks, correct. Yeah. Mitch Chubisky, he's got talent. Patrick Mahomes, he's got a crazy arm. I haven't seen, no one's seen that much of Mitch Chubisky, to be honest. He's played a year. Yeah, well, and, like 12 games. And maybe. I've seen enough of Patrick Mahomes where you really got to rein him in. To me... Just, yeah, you know there's a ton of work to do with Mahomes. Yeah. Just, you have to relearn a lot of things. Just from watching him a lot in Big 12 football, some of the... Some of the... Th- I've, I've never had as many, like, WTF moments with a quarterback as I have with Patrick Mahomes. But he can make the throws. But, I mean, just the demeanor of Deshaun Watson coming in as a freshman at Clemson... Coming against the, some of the best competition in the, in the country, it never looked like the moment was too big for him. Ever. Never, ever. And every time he got hit with adversity in a game, he bounced back, which is just incredible that he's doing that against yeah. NFL talent on Alabama's yeah. team two years in a row. And, make it, and just putting up ridiculous numbers. Yeah. And there's questions about his ability to throw the out route throw routes that are on the sideline mm-hmm. and uh, the ball fluttering a little bit, allowing elite NFL defenders to easily go grab it because even more college defenders were able to get their hands on some of them. But Chad Pennington had a long career. My goodness, if, uh, <laughs> let's, if we're comparing Deshaun Watson to Chad Pennington, <laughs> I'm definitely going to pass, okay? Exactly. I'm definitely going to pass. But... I mean, we are always we always talk ourselves into the picks that the Jaguars make. I'm trying to sit here and think of how I could talk myself into Deshaun Watson at number four overall. If, and I just can't really do it. If you get a pick, the only way to do it would be if you get a pick or a player for one of them. You mean trade down? No, I mean trading one away. If you're taking him at four, he's the guy. Oh, you mean Bortles. Yeah, if you take yeah, yeah. if you take a quarterback at yeah, four, yeah, yeah. Bortles, you're what he's what done. can I get for him? Yeah, he's done. I agree. I think you can get something for him because maybe the Patriots will trade you a fourth round <laughs> pick or something the and Cardinals? turn him into a Pro Bowler. I mean, yeah, I, you I, never I, know. QB hungry. God. He's got at to. this point. Are you really going to get that much more for Blake Bortles than you did for Blaine Gabbert? I think you might get more than a sixth. I mean. The, at this point in his career, he's better than Blaine Gabbert. Just there's no question about yeah. that. I mean, because he's got talent, and some coach is gonna be like, "I can turn this guy around." Yeah, they're gonna go back, and this is what you always hear: teams go back to what they have done that the quarterback or player has done against them, and what they had as them uh, coming out of college, mm-hmm. what they had on them coming out of college. So, I mean, in in an age where a lot of teams. Or just, hey, draft a quarterback, just take shots. Eventually you'll hit. Yeah. But at four, he better be the guy. <laughs> I mean, that's the and only... It, the only... it would just be a... It, for me, it would, in a way, make Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell uncredible. I could no longer believe what they are saying to me. And the media. Not so much Tom Coughlin for me. He has said Blake Bortles is my quarterback. Now? He was his quarterback. <laughs> because no one else was going to challenge him. But you... if My point is, if you say that... Yeah. If you, you say can, that, you know that the implication you're basically, that that comes with. Yeah, it's the implication. You know. <laughs> You know that that means you're saying he's my quarterback. It's basically I'm not an endorsement. That yeah. like this is he, you're the guy. We're rolling with you. Yeah, yeah. it's all about the implications, Scott. <laughs> it's always about the implications. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, like a two day visit. I haven't read that any of the other guys are doing two day visits. Yeah, I mean, it's the most maybe two days position. for round two. 
Maybe that's their if idea. If he's there at 35... <laughs> Maybe that's their idea. We're taking it to the second going up to the board. Because yeah. you know they're thinking about it. But, yeah. I mean, it's the most important position on the football field. It might be the most position in sports, period. Oh, if they're taking, I don't think there's any question it's the most important position yeah. in sport. In a team sport? Yeah. I mean, yeah, in an individual sport, you can be like... I'm the most important. Yeah. But you don't technically play a position in an individual but, sport. But, I mean... Like, so, yeah. If they're doing their due diligence, two days with a quarterback probably would be equal to one day at another position just because of how much there is to go through with them. Breaking them down. Well, yeah, there's just more to the position. Yeah. So, I mean, spending an additional day with somebody, it could mean something. It could just mean, hey, this is the most important position. We got to do our job. It could mean, (laughs) hey... Please trade with us. It's it's all, a lot of the a lot of this time smoke is about sending, sending signals. Yep, That's so many smoke screens. And Caldwell's an expert at it. He's been doing it ever since he got here. Every year he has some uh, some sort of comment that Johnny Manziel teams are NFL yeah. ready QB. <laughs> all the fans are like, "Whoa, are we about to trap Johnny Manziel?" <laughs> yeah. Caldwell's like, "No, no, we're not no, taking Manziel." I got you, fam. I was kidding, bro. <laughs> No, I don't think... But the thing about Caldwell, he doesn't lie. At all. Yeah. I think Johnny Manziel's the most pro-ready quarterback. Doesn't mean that... Hey, doesn't mean I'm going to drop I don't think he's going to be the best quarterback in the NFL in five years. That's what I think Blake Bortles is going to be. He gives a lot of... Which also makes me question what the hell... He gives a lot of half-truths. Yeah. He'll give you a little something. You can kind of take it one way or the other. I think this year he's been a little bit more straightforward, surprisingly. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the stuff he's said has just been, like, concrete. Yeah. AJ Can is our starter. There's only one position up for um, for grabs on the offensive line, and that's left guard. I think that tells you how important this year is. It's like, cut the BS, you know? Yeah. Brass tacks here. Like, <laughs> it's time for business. we got to get it done. Yeah, they really do got to get it done. Like we said earlier, I just think I think if this team falls flat on their face again, I mean, even like five, six wins, Oof. it's going to be really bad in Jacksonville. It's Like, they did what they had to do this offseason, which they just keep doing this every offseason. They, they add some really nice free agents. A, they get fans excited a, a little semi bit. semi-new coaching staff. Oh, and then you add Tom Coughlin. Oh, yeah. that's so exciting. They keep doing these things every offseason. Like, like Trump says in the book, The Art of the Deal, you can only con people so, for so long, you actually have to deliver. Right. <laughs> I think this is the time that if, if this team is any less than 7-9, and nine, and that 7-9 and nine has to come on like... The streets will run, will run red with their blood. Exactly. And that to me, that 7-9 and nine has to be like, you lost two games at the end of the season... Where you were right in the game. And you're like in like you're in December or January right. with a chance at the playoffs. Right. It's not like you were five and nine and then won your last two games. Yeah. That's not gonna cut it. Yeah. Because you you're out. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's not gonna cut it at all. It's just crazy to think about. Uh years later. There's we're a, still sitting here. There's a lot of pressure on this year. Just to be like not necessarily of a win now, well, it is a win now mentality, but just not in the normal way of the NFL saying there's a window where we can win the Super Bowl. This is literally yeah. the window is closing to where you better win or people are going to start jumping shit. Right. the The roster is going to get blown up, and it's not even been able to reach its height with all yeah. these young players. But you know what? That's going to do it for our show today. Oh, it's quick. Yeah. Went by quick. Um, this has been the Gen Jack Podcast. We really appreciate you guys stopping by. I'm Jordan DeLugo. You can find me on Twitter at Jordan DeLugo. You can find my co-host Scott Klein at Scott Klein one on Twitter. You can follow our other co-host who decided not to show up today at Hunter underscore Evans underscore seven. Make sure to go check out GenJag.com. We've got all the latest news and analysis. Blogs, videos, podcasts, we've got you covered with everything. And make sure to sign up to become a member. It's only $25 until May 1st. Again, that's at genjag.com. Follow us on Twitter, at Generation Jag. 
and on Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar. Big shout out to Bold City Brewery, our one and only sponsor for the podcast. Uh, they're just always hooking it up for us at Bold City Brewery. Thanks for stopping by, everybody. This has been the Gen Jag Podcast. <laughs>